And you know, the only thing that Jesus asks of us is just to follow him, just to follow him. This morning, I, 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 I know what the Lord wants to speak, but I wasn't sure where he was heading with it, so we're just going to roll with it. And the title was Life Together with Jesus. I don't know if that's going to be the accurate title or not, but that's it. Just, just letting his life, his life flow into ours and through ours. Less of me, more of him, right? Is, isn't that the, I think it was John who, who spoke that out. Less of us, just more of more of Jesus. Because this morning Jesus is renewing that call. And I pray that we all hear his voice, his beckoning, that call just to follow him in your struggles, in your battles, in your disappointment, in your discouragement, in your successes and in your victories, wherever you're at in life, that you just follow him because he has greater things for you your best days are still ahead of you right yes glory days we're going from glory to glory he is not only calling us to continue his mission to do the works that he did and even greater things that's what jesus said right but he's also reminding us just how much he values just being with us these testimonies that we're going to read through this morning it just blows me away how much god values just being with you just spending time in one another's presence not what you're doing not what you're being the fact that you're just with him <laughs> It's a word that we came up with called abiding. You just abide in his presence. It's so simple, but it seems so complicated, right? And so I'm going to jump through the account of one of Jesus' disciples. He's an easy one to look at because, man, was he a loud mouth. He just was a loud person. He's the kind of person that kind of make you cringe pretty often, you know, he, he was not me. I'm a very, like, keep-to-myself-quiet wallflower kind of person, believe it or not. And um, this was not Peter at all. Simon Peter. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1. This is where we first find this encounter. And a little bit of a backstory here. Jesus, at this point, was a rabbi, a teacher, he had went through school. He was the cream of the crop. He just kept moving on. He just kept learning. He just kept growing. And he was a, a rabbi at this point. And one of the roles of a Jewish rabbi is to find disciples, people who will learn from them, students, disciples. But it's more just a student. They just don't go to class together. They live life together and they learn you know, from their rabbi. And, um, and so that's what makes this encounter so interesting. It's what makes Jesus being rabbi so interesting like. Talk about an easy class. I was just thinking about this this morning, and so I'm going to share it. You know, I, I just, I just, just blew my mind. It's like, you know, it's like, um, you know, if if Nate went to the University of Nathaniel, you know, to learn all about Nathaniel, because Jesus was the Living Word, right? 
And what was the, the Jewish school system? It was to learn the word. And he was the word. And so at the age of 12, he asked these questions that just blew the minds of the teachers and elders and scholars, you know, because he would probably ask a question like, what color of toothbrush would Nathaniel have, you know? And um, the scholars and teachers would be like, you know, well, you know, uh, well, he, he, I picked Nathaniel as a bad example. I was going to pick on Stan, but he didn't show up this morning, you know? They'd be like, well, according to the, the Department of Motor Vehicle Records that we have studied, you know, he, he owned these vehicles from this, this year to this year and this year. And, you know, uh, this large percentage of these vehicles was this color. And so he must have liked that color. And, you know, because we look back, you know, looking back through archaeology and with all the documents that we have. And, and we're like, so, you know, he, he must have chose a black, you know, that must have been his favorite color. And, you know, but Nate would just know, like, dude, I it's green. I would pick green. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, because he knows himself, you know? It's the difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. He gives you his heart, his mind. You can know what he's thinking. You can know what he's like. So that you don't have to speculate. The Word of God is awesome. That's where we go to learn. But there's so much more. It's a, it's a living word. It's a living document. So the, the same one that wrote these words is living in you, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the author of the Word of God over the course of, what, 4,000 or so years and 40 different people who wrote it, you know. He's in you. You know the author. So you can know why they wrote it and whatnot. It's just awesome to think about. So here we see this encounter between Jesus and Peter. And, and this is what blows my mind, because according to Jewish tradition, rabbis who know the Word of God very well, they would choose disciples from students who know the Word of God very well, right? But then Jesus, here he is, he goes out and says, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people are crowding around him, and they're listening to the Word of God. They're hungry for the Word. They want to hear it. They want to hear it. They want to hear it. And so he's a rabbi. He's teaching. They're listening to it. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which is pretty bold. And I can't imagine going down to Keystone Lake and just hopping in someone's boat, you know. But you got to understand the cultural difference. The rabbi are very respected people. They could pretty much do whatever they wanted to do, and people would just honor and respect them, you know. They are men of God, and so we honor the man of God no matter what he chooses to do. And, um, and so he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. We're going to find out. Peter just came off of the night shift, a very long day. He's very tired. He's washing his nets. They didn't catch anything. He's very irritable and grouchy. Let's just be honest. Anybody ever come off the night shift? You just want to go home. You just want to crank the tunes, zone out, go home and go to bed. That's where Peter's at. Okay? So often we miss Jesus. Because of where we are at. God's right there with you. And he's speaking to you. But we miss it. Because we're so caught up in us. Jesus is right there. And he tells them to set out. And they do that. It says when he had finished speaking. He's probably a long-winded preacher by the way. This is probably no short sermon. You know. He, he said to Simon. Go out into deeper water. Stirring up deep, deep wells, right? 
We're going to sing that next week, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so he went on to deeper water, and he said, and let down the nets for a catch. They just finished cleaning the nets. And he said, put them out there for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Okay, we've all heard this testimony a thousand times. Please let the Spirit of God speak a fresh word to you this morning. This is what God cares about. Not how much of the scripture you can quote. God cares about your willing heart, your obedient heart. God found a man who flunked out of school. He wasn't a very learned, educated guy. How do we know that? Because he went back to his father's trade at the age of 13. He didn't stay in the school and continue on to be a rabbi. Okay, just by just knowing Jewish culture, you know. So he, was, he flunked out. He wasn't the smartest of guys. But this rabbi Jesus found everything that he needed in this man because of this encounter. Because you say so, Jesus, I'll do it. I'm tired. I'm cranky. It makes no sense. This is stupid. I've been a fisherman all my life. You've never fished a day in your life. And here you are telling me how to do my job. I don't go to McDonald's and tell you how to make burgers, right? You know? Peter's, I'm sure, thinking and feeling that way because he's a human being. And we know that he, he was this way by the other accounts that we find. But he says, okay, whatever. But because you say so, I'll do it. That's what God's looking for this morning. He's searching for hearts that are fully committed to him. I don't have to understand. It doesn't have to make sense. If you say it, I'm going to do it. Obedience. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's searching for. And it says, when they had done so, when they did what Jesus said to do, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come in to help them. They came. They filled both boats so full of fish that they began to sink. Now, when I was a young man, I spent a lot of time out on Keystone Lake bass and walleye fishing with my grandpap. And, you know, we had this little thing that had an aerator in it, you know, that brought water in. And maybe one day in the summer, that thing was full. I can't imagine catching so many fish that two boats begin to sink. And these are not little 14-foot aluminum boats like we're thinking either. I mean, these are, you know, th think uh, anybody watch Wicked Tuna or anything like that? I mean, these are big boats. These are fishing boats, huge nets, not your little, like, you know, in your aquarium fishing net. These are, they, they, they use these huge nets to go through the ocean and to pull up fish. So many fish that they both begin to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, <laughs> Look at the change in attitude when we are obedient. Look at the change in his attitude. As soon as Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. How many of us in worship, like, we, we, won't, we won't just fall to our knees and just give him worship. Why? If we can't even physically do this, then how are we going to do it with our lives? Because it's embarrassing and it's weird and it's uncomfortable and you know we come up with all of our excuses <laughs> number one thing standing between god and his purposes being fulfilled in in your life is you right i'm the one that stands in god's way he always is faithful he made a covenant it's always yes and amen on his part i'm the variable i'm the one that is the if if 
I was just to do what God calls me to do, then, you know, everything works out and it's great. So he fell at Jesus' knees while all this is happening. And he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. They're in a fishing business together, you know. They're just amazed, astonished at what had taken place. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I don't even think they made any money off of those boats full of fish. Think about that. The, the Word of God says that when they came up on shore, they left everything, everything, and they followed him. And for the next three years, Peter and the other disciples traveled with Jesus, living life together with him as he ministered. They just lived life together. Jesus chose them. Very unlikely candidates. And you know, you've been probably been told this your whole life, but just think about that reality. Because he also chose you. That means you already have what you need to fulfill God's purposes in your life. You got what you need. Sure, you might need a little more training and refining and learning, but that comes as you live life together with Jesus. It comes as you just obey him and just do what he's calling you to do. That's where we find success in life. Not leaning on our own thoughts and on our own ways, but leaning on the Spirit of God. Letting the, the living Word of God speak to us. They not only saw firsthand signs, wonders, and miracles, they were even empowered to perform them themselves as they went out and ministered. They saw the blight had their sight restored, the deaf here, demons cast out, the dead raised to life, leprosy, every other sickness and disease healed. They saw so much that John said it this way, the, the Apostle John, he said, Jesus did many other things as well when we get to the very end of the, the Gospel of John, the book of John. In fact, he said, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And they only ministered together for like maybe a three-year period. And in that little period, they did so much together that the whole world couldn't even contain enough books to write it all down. What we read in the gospel accounts is just a little taste and see. It's just a little, you know, sampler of uh, what God had did. It's amazing. It had to be such an amazing period of time of their lives that I'm not sure if the disciples ever even stopped to consider what they left behind. You see, if you stop to consider the sacrifice and what you've left behind, you probably have lost sight of Jesus and what he's doing right here and right now in front of you. You've started to, as we learned last week, drift, fall away. From your great salvation we don't want to be drifters we don't want to just float around through life getting pushed around by circumstances we want to be intentional and live purposeful lives and yeah life is going to shove you around but you know as we were telling nada the, the, the from the great gospel of ramsey right if you don't tell your money where to go it's going to tell you where to go right as we're learning about budgeting and how how bad 
some of us are at money management. We're not gonna name any names, but anyways. The, the UPS, USPS person, they, they, they often deliver Amazon packages that come from I don't know where, right? Sorry. It's a world we're living in. We're learning together though, right? They didn't live it perfectly. They did not live it perfectly. They lived life together with Jesus. Jesus often said phrases like, how long do I have to put up with you? He said phrases like, are you still so dull? He said things like, do you still not understand? He got frustrated with his disciples. But guess what? He chose them and he never gave up on them. He still gave them opportunity after opportunity to get it right. That is our Jesus. He hasn't given up on you yet either. You are not disqualified. You know how I know that? Because I still see breath coming out your nostrils. Your heart's still beating, okay? He hasn't given up on you yet, so don't give up on him. Don't give up on Jesus. He has great plans for your life. There did come a time, however, when this exciting adventure of following Jesus took an unexpected turn for the disciples. Was not unexpected to God. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. Ever. He knows what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. We're the ones that are surprised, right? He's never surprised. He kept warning them about them over and over and over again. He kept warning them and explaining them many times that a shift was coming. The season was going to change. They still didn't understand it, though, even when the time come. Knowing that that time had come, Jesus said this. He said, you are ones who have stood by me in my trials. They were fishers of men, right? Together. And he said, and I confer onto you. There's a shifting, a transference, a conference. A conference, right? <laughs> Maybe that's why those conferences are so much fun to go to when you go to like Voice of the Prophets and whatnot, you know, or, uh, because it's a conference. <laughs> yeah, confer, Jesus, confer. Confer to your people here this morning. Lord. He was conferring his kingdom. It's literally what Jesus said here in verse 29. I confer unto you a kingdom just as my father conferred it unto me so that you may eat and drink at my table, the table in my kingdom, so that you may sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. There was a promotion coming. There is a shifting. And it was good. It was amazing. It was awesome. Then God gave this really, really encouraging word. Simon, Simon, guess what? Satan is wanting to sift you like wheat. <laughs> Don't you love, <laughs> Don't you love those encouraging prophetic words? Those words of knowledge that people give you. Like, what? Wait a second. This, this doesn't seem right. But <laughs> Satan's asking to sift. Mm. Not just to sift Simon as wheat. What does Jesus say in verse 31? He has asked to sift all of you like wheat. And what did Jesus say? But I'm not going to let it happen. I'm standing in the gap. Satan is not going to have his way. Nothing bad's going to come your way in life, right? Is that, isn't that what Jesus said? 
Jesus is like, I'm praying for you, buddy. <laughs> he literally, that's what he said. Satan is after you. He is, he is sifting you. And guess what? I'm praying for you, bud. <laughs> that's literally what Jesus says. He says, I'm praying for you, Simon, that your faith won't fail. And guess what else Jesus revealed? You're going to lose, Peter. You're going to lose the battle, but you're going to win the war. He said, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew what was coming. We all know what was coming because we've all read it before. You've heard it probably preached to you so many times before. But think about that. Jesus let it happen. He let Peter fall. But he said, when you get back up, strengthen your brothers. There was a purpose behind the falling. He needed to fall. If you don't know it, Peter's a very prideful person. He needed to scrape his knees a little bit to, to let go of some of that pride and arrogance and um, to let Jesus just do a work in and through him. So what does Peter say? How do you reply when somebody gives you that word? Satan wants to sift you, but you're on your own. I'm praying for you, man. You know, um, Peter says this. Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison, even to death. Jesus replied, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you're going to deny me three times. In fact, he said, you will deny three times that you even know me. Then Jesus asked him, when I sent you without a purse or bags or sandals, did you ever lack anything? And they answered, never, nothing. But there was a shift coming. You see, we need the manna of today. What works today may not work tomorrow. Hi. Sorry. There's a shift coming. It's happening. What's out there? You're killing me. <laughs> I got to see. I'm sorry. Is there an animal out here? Oh. Oh, she's good. She's just in the presence of God. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it's all good. No, that's good, because you never know. <laughs> we, we've had a time when it wasn't the presence of God. We had to get an ambulance here like now. Remember Dow? Dow fell out, but it wasn't under the power of God. <laughs> that wasn't good. But yes, um, I'm sorry. We've been seeing so many critters run through here. I just, I, it's me. I don't want to miss it. Uh, anyways, sorry. Whew. <sighs> a shifting. He did, yes. Absolutely. Mm. A shift was coming. And if we are not discerning about the time and the season that we are in and what God is doing, we will miss Jesus when he's standing right in front of us. The Pharisees, Sadducees, elders, teachers of the law, the, the, um, the scholars, the scribes, they knew the word of God, the text of it. But when it stood in front of them, they said, you're a blasphemer, worthy of death. Crucify this thing. This thing is unholy. It is ungodly. And it was God. 
We will mislabel what God is doing. This is demonic, and we've got to stop it right now. We've got to call an ambulance because she's in trouble, you know. We will mislabel what, what God is doing and what's happening. And we've got to be just discerning, so discerning. There's a shift coming. Jesus said, I sent you without a bag, purse, sandals, and you never lacked anything. But he said, but now, if you have a purse, take it with you. And also, buy a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell it and buy yourself one. There's a shift coming. That was a season. That's what I told you to do then. Now you need to get in the new season and do what I'm telling you to do now. Okay? Because what you did yesterday isn't going to be successful today. That was for yesterday. This is a new day. You need a new, a new battle plan, a new strategy. Stay with me here, right? You know, Jesus is like, stay with me. Follow me. Follow me. It wasn't just following him after they left their boats. It was about actively every day following the voice of Jesus and what he was telling them to do. And then he went on and he said, um, anyways, I'm going to continue on here. So they're like, well, we got two swords. And he's like, that's enough. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's catching me. Yeah, that's good. You're good. <laughs> And so we continue on, and, sorry. and here's the bizarre thing. This has always I can't even use it. this has always struck me on. If you know what's coming, you get what's happening. This has always struck me. Jesus told them, grab a sword, right? Judas comes. They tie up Jesus, they take him away. And, and, and Peter saw what was happening, and he's like, Lord, well, well, should we strike him with our swords? And so he went, and he just, woof, whacked the guy's ear off. <laughs> should I do this? And before, like, they were just, they didn't know what to do. This is a new season. Jesus just said, go buy a sword if you got one. And he, they're like, well, we got two. And he's like, that's good. <laughs> should, should I use it, Jesus? <laughs> and I'm sure he wasn't going for his ear. Okay? He just hadn't practiced with this thing enough. I'm sure he was going for the head, but he missed. <laughs> Anyways, just, and then Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Jesus said, no more of this. No more of this. And then he touched the man's ear and healed him. <laughs> like, so when the Spirit of God is moving and you don't understand what's happening and nothing's making sense, it's nothing new. Here it is happening. Like, it's just, it's chaos, and it's messy, and it's the will of God happening, but it's confusing, and, and it's a new season, and it's a shifting, and you just, you just got to follow Jesus. Whew. In fact, I love it. I think it's in the book of Mark that when, when the soldiers came with Judas, and they asked if that was Jesus, Jesus said, I am he, and guess what happened? Everyone fell. The soldiers fell back. And I don't know what they thought happened, but they got back up and they said, uh, is Jesus here? <laughs> and they said, I am he. And then, woof, they all fell down again. Like, it's just, I, I, I don't know, but it, it, just, it, it just makes you, I just love the kingdom of God. You don't have to understand the kingdom of God. You'll never understand it. You know what you have to do with the kingdom of God? Just accept it by faith. Just accept it. Accept what he's doing. You'll have so much more fun if you just accept what the Spirit of God is doing. So much more fun with it. 
And so Peter goes on. They get drug into the um, inner temple. They, they, they came with literally swords, clubs, pitchforks. And Jesus is like, am I leading a rebellion or something? Why are you coming at me this way? I stood here and preached day and night. I never hid what I'm doing. Why are you doing this? You know, I mean, it was all illegal. They, but, but you know what he said? There is a shifting. There is a shift of season. Jesus said, but now is your hour, in verse 53, when darkness reigns. You see, we love singing those cutesy lyrics. Darkness may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning, right? I'm trading my sorrows, right? We love singing those cute little phrases, but man, when darkness comes and reigns, and when it is the will of God to allow it, it's not so much fun to sing, is it? <laughs> but <laughs> if you start to sing like Paul and Silas, you get to have some fun. Because guess what darkness does? It's broken. Its power is broken. Joy pierces the darkness. And you get to just walk out of there a free man. Woo, yes. And so it's just a scary thing that's happening. So they seized him. They took him away. Peter followed at a distance. <laughs> this is the same man that just a few verses ago said, Lord, even to the death I'll follow you. Now he's keeping his distance because this is real. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can say I'm going to do these things. You ever see that? Like I remember when we were teenagers and back whenever you were allowed to like settle things by fist fighting and you know we didn't have all the gun violence we have now and somebody mouths off to you just punch them in the jaw and then you're good you know you're, you're buddies five minutes later um not saying it's the answer but i don't know that's what we did back in our day um you know people talk and they talk and they talk but then when the fight's on whoo some of those some of those guys that like to talk they they, they were just talk it's like my little chorky she's all bark and if she bites you it's like okay that you know but oh man is she ferocious you know anyways all bark no bite that's what the kingdom of darkness is do you know what the kingdom of darkness uses fear darkness depression gloom it uses a cloak because if you saw what it really is it's powerless its power has been broken by the blood of Jesus. So it has to cloak itself in all of these things, right? Ugh. But it was raining in this season. Peter's falling at a distance. Then he, rem he came to the courtyard. It was the middle of the night. They kindled a fire. And he sat down with these other people. And you know what it's like in the middle of the night around a campfire. You know, you, you kind of see people and, you know, just you get these, these glimpses of the fire, you know, so you can kind of make people out and who they are. And, um, and it says that this one servant girl, she turned and she looked straight at Peter. And, and, and she's like, this man was with him. It says, but Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, no, no, you're also one of them. Peter replied, man, I am not. About an hour later, another person asserted, you know what? I, I, this fellow, he was absolutely with him. In fact, he's a Galilean. His accent gives it away. 
And then Peter replied, and he started cursing. Man, WTF, I don't know what you're talking about. He just starts calling down curses and screaming and causing a fuss. He's like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. And as soon as he spoke up, the rooster crowed. Three times he denied him. The Lord turned around, and he looked straight at Peter, verse 61. And as soon as their eyes made contact, in verse 61, Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you would have sown me three times. And he ran outside and wept bitterly. And we know that though Jesus was found completely innocent of any wrongdoing, punished, crucified, right? Oh, sorry, I'm... Darkness reigned for a season. In fact, darkness covered the earth from, what was it, three to six, I think? Do I have my times right? <laughs> Sorry. All I know is the important thing was that darkness came when Jesus was on the cross just before he had given his life. And another shift was taking place. He gave his life. He was buried. But on the third day, he was raised again by the Holy Spirit. Another shift was taking place. Jesus was exalted, given the seat at the right hand of the Heavenly Father, given power and authority, the name of every name. And then just a few days later, another shift was taking place. Pentecost, right? On the 50th day, uh, where, where the Spirit was going to fill all believers to empower and equip them to continue the work of the ministry. Shifts were taking place. It was all the will of God, but it was all so chaotic and uncertain. They just had to have faith. There was a time of waiting between the resurrection of Jesus and the fulfillment of the promise. Glorified in this way, Jesus does a very unexpected thing during that like 49-day waiting period or 46 or however you do the math. During that 40-some-day period, Jesus did a very unexpected thing. Just imagine that. I mean, he obediently gave his life on the cross. He was exalted, given the name above every name, seated at the right hand of the Father. And what does Jesus do in this high, exalted, lifted up, a place of all power, all authority? He's like, I miss my buddies. I'm going back down there. Literally. Jesus appeared to them over and over and over again. He just kept showing up. He enjoyed living life together with his friends. I can't imagine being seated in heaven and yet choosing to return to this earth, right? But who knows, maybe he was a little concerned for them or, you know, he just wanted to be there with them and for them through that season of uncertainty. So he kept showing up. Um, and we're going to talk about this over the a few several weeks here. But I just want to take a look at one encounter this morning. John 21. John 21, bear with me here. This is, uh, several times it's recorded in detail. These are one of those times um, where the disciples hung out with the resurrected Jesus. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's exciting to experience signs, wonders, and miracles, but Jesus values just being with us. Jesus literally showed up here, and all he did was have breakfast with them. But why is it when we have things like men's breakfast just to hang out together, it's like, eh, whatever, you know, <laughs> got more important things to do. Why do we not value 
just being in the presence of God. Why is it the pastor Steve always feels like he always has to preach, 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 preach? Why can't we just sit here and soak in the presence? That should be sufficient, right? That God said, let your word be few when you approach me. Why do we always feel like we have to, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe this is my conviction this morning. Why do I always feel like I got to do something? I can't even just stand there and receive. I got to be praying in the spirit or something, you know? I always got to be doing, 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 doing. Just be. Just enjoy the presence of God. Can you imagine a church service like that? You walk in and you're just like, whoa. <laughs> you sense the presence and you're just like, you just fall flat face down and you just soak it in. You just go home. <laughs> that should be enough for us, right? You done had church. <laughs> you got everything you needed for life. Because you got the presence of God. Why is that not enough for us? Why we always got to ask him to do things? Right? Take a look at your prayer life. How many times is it just hanging out with him? And how many times is it you know, Sue and Sally need this, and I need this, and Lord, when in the world are you going to get around to doing this? I mean, your word promises it. Why aren't you? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with all those things, but, okay, I'm going to go someplace that is kind of rough, but, you know, you look through the book of Proverbs, bear with me, I don't want any javelins here, but do you know what, do you know what the book of Proverbs says about a, a nagging wife? <laughs> like, How many guys built garages just because they want the honey-do list to end, you know? Just stop asking me to do stuff. Guess what? Sometimes guys just want to hang out with their wives, you know? Don't always have to do something. We don't mind doing stuff, but sometimes they just want to be, you know? <laughs> Think about that. Your relationship with Christ. He just wanted to be with them. He just wanted to hang out with them. He didn't do signs, wonders, and miracles. Well... He did. <laughs> it was just to catch their attention. It was just to be with them. What if our prayer life looked like this? John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus. Nathaniel, good name, right? They spelt wrong in the Bible, though. Did you know that? <laughs> Anyways, Nathaniel Isaac, he laughs, right? Okay, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon told them. And they said, you know what, we'll go with you. Remember what just happened. Their world was shaken. They left behind everything <laughs> to be with Jesus. There's a whole sermon here, and I'm not going to preach it because it's almost noon already. But man, they left Egypt, they're in the wilderness, and what do they want to do? Go back to Egypt, even though there's better things ahead. Peter, he left everything. He follows Jesus. Well, now he's dead. <laughs> now what do I do? I guess I'm going fishing. You know, his friends were, his, the other disciples were concerned about him. He wasn't the same Peter. He wasn't bold and courageous. This dude was depressed. He was discouraged. He was going back fishing. They're like, you know what? We're going to go with you. So they went out. They got into the boat. And guess what? That night, they caught nothing. And as Becky's dad always reminds me, you know, a, a, a night of fishing, you know, that you catch nothing is still better than a day of work, right? You know? <laughs> still better. 
but they caught nothing. Sound familiar? Ringing a bell? It's going to ring a bell here. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. How often is that in life? Jesus is right there in front of you, and you miss it. You miss him. You don't see him. Why? Because you're down, you're discouraged. Here you are fishing all night again, and you caught nothing. So he called out to them, friends, catch anything? No, they answered. If you've ever been fishing, that's a discussion that happens. You're sitting there on shore, guys walk by, catch anything? Nah, not today. No. He said, turn it on the right side of the boat. You'll, you'll catch some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of a large number of fish. Sound familiar here? Signs, wonders, and miracles. What is their purpose? To point us to Jesus. To remind us of who he is, what he is like. Here's a miracle taking place, and it's just to point them to Jesus. It wasn't because they needed that many fish. Don't you love our God of abundance? He blesses you with more than you need. You didn't need that, but he's going to give it to you anyways because he's just good and he loves you. You're his child, right? It says, when the disciple whom Jesus loved, by the way, he's the one who wrote this book, John, he just being humble here. <laughs> Nobody caught that joke. Becky said, I caught it. I'm just ignoring you. Enough with it. <laughs> Can you imagine referring to yourself that way? But the disciple whom Jesus loved... The one who reclined in the chest of Jesus at the table, right? That's how he wrote about himself. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he said to Peter, hey, hey, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him because he had taken off. He jumped in the water. Then the other disciples started following him in the boat. Like he's just swimming and swimming and swimming. Towing the net full of fish, because they weren't far from shore, just about 100 yards. I don't know why they threw in these details, but they do. It says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to him, bring some of the fish here you've caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. I love that detail. 153 fish they caught. Large fish, not this little perch bluegill, big fish. But even with so many, the net wasn't torn this time. Did the boat start to sink? Didn't sink this time. A shift had taken place. Do you know what happened before this account? The resurrected Jesus saw them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Receive the Holy Spirit. You, you, see, you see evangelists on TV, and you're like, that's flaky. That ain't God. Jesus blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Just, here you go. Have it. I mean, read your Bible. This happened. <laughs> A shift had taken place. So they were able to sustain the blessing of God. They were able to carry it. It didn't break them where it almost destroyed them before they received Jesus, before they received the Holy Spirit, right? Tore their nets, two boats almost sank. But because they were spirit-filled, because they had received the salvation of Jesus, they were able to sustain it. I just love it. Even the, everything you touch can be blessed. Even your fishing nets in your boat. 
they can be blessed. In fact, they usually are blessed. We just don't see them as a blessing, right? How long they last. Jesus said, come on, have breakfast with me. And not one of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they all knew it was the Lord. That means Jesus, resurrected Jesus, didn't look like Jesus. <laughs> How many times does Jesus show up in our midst, but it doesn't look like him? Doesn't sound like him. It's acting like him. I mean, he just did the same miracle, fished all night, cast him on the right full net of fish has to be jesus they're sitting there eating breakfast with him and they didn't even dare ask who are you because they knew it was jesus how awesome is that we're gonna read about a lot of other accounts where this exact same thing took place it reminds me of jacob way back in the old testament under the old covenant when he fell <laughs> man that dude had to be tired he just fell out with his head on a rock. And he woke up and he saw these angels ascending and descending. And he's like, surely the Lord was in this place. And I wasn't aware. Whew. So Jesus, make us more aware of your presence. Whew. Worship team, come forward. Holy Spirit. Worship team, come forward. Holy Spirit. We're going to end on Holy Spirit. Make us aware, more aware of your presence. Breathe, <laughs> breathe on us. Breathe on us afresh, anew. We want today's manna. We want the fresh wine. We don't want to stick with the oldie moldy anymore. We want something new, Lord. New here in this place.